Justine, I happened to listen <laughs> to last week's episode. I cannot believe what you did Why? by what I mean narrating the whole entire door i told you i did completely creepy but i didn't really <laughs> think you did so i want to know why did you do that why did you think that was something to do well and i hope i hope we i hope people are still listening so here's the thing i think our audience is fun enough yeah they are they are to fun. to appreciate something <laughs> like that living in the show but it's because i already hit record and we stopped and you were like, okay, wait, hang on. There's someone at my door. And I didn't feel like hitting stop. And I was like, you know what? She's gone. So I'm going to record. And, you know, I just, I really, the plan, I the plan originally was not to keep it in, in 100% transparency. But when I went back to edit it, I was like, I have to keep this in. And then I threw okay. in, I threw in the creepy music because I wanted to drown out a lot of the conversation that you were having. I don't want to put like all what the business out there. I mean, right. You didn't right. say anything. You didn't say anything specific, but I was like, you know, I just for the sake of that. So that's where that came from. But it also just fit artistically. The music fit the scenario. Yes, I guess. <laughs> and truthfully, I'll tell everyone this. So I listened to another podcast. It's called, well, at the time it was called PS. I love you. XOXO. But they had two different hosts, uh, Greg Miller, Colin Moriarty. They are no longer co-hosts together, but they did their podcast back in the day in their like spare bedroom of their apartment. And they lived in L.A. No, not L.A., San Francisco. So it's like the city, right? Not a lot of people are like coming mm -hmm. to doors or buzzing in. Someone comes to the door and they're in the middle of a podcast. They, these podcasts, they go for like two hours, right? They're, they're, oh, my. Yeah, they're long shows. So it's like you don't just stop in the middle. So they he gets up. He's like, all right, I'll go check on it. He goes, and like, maybe it's the, oh, he says the water man. I said the milkman earlier. He's like, it's the water man. And then so he does this whole bit called the water man. Look it up. YouTube water man. Kind of funny. It's a hilarious clip. It's absolutely stunning. Well, I would, honestly, I would love to watch it now, but um, I don't know how to capture that audio. Otherwise, anyway, people should go listen to it. It's hilarious. One of my favorite clips of all time. And so I kind of I channeled that. I just was like, you know, I need to I need to give a throwback to my podcast idols. Um, and you just happened to be you were you were the vehicle to do so. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> Well, I'm just, I really, uh, I really was nervous uh, because I really do not have anybody answer my door or knock on my door. So anyway, I cannot believe you did that. I'm still, I, <laughs> I really can stop laughing. And I was like, this is embarrassing. But anyway, it yeah. is what it is. I hope everybody Look, loved it. I need everyone to send Ochoa a message personal especially our patreon supporters send her a message and tell her that it brightened your day okay i hope so and if it didn't don't send her that though that don't send me i don't need to know so just stay quiet we will take your you we will take your silence as condoning it and saying it was brilliant okay all right well there you go everybody welcome to craft and draft <laughs> I'm Pam Ochoa, the one who answers doors in the middle of a podcast, the vehicle to throwback moments. That is Jacob Chastain. And what are we talking about today, Jacob? We're going to talk about technology in schools. We've hit this in a variety of ways on the podcast. Yeah, we have. We, we've touched on it several times. Um, but I think it's time to revisit it because there's a new boogeyman in town. We've 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 dropped the name before. We have come across it before, but never fully because we both really hadn't interacted with it. I've been playing with it for weeks at this point. Um, probably there's probably people listening to this who are way ahead of me. And so I would love to hear their feedback on some of our takeaways. But this conversation mm -hmm. is actually going to be the platform that we go into some other stuff that we're going to be doing on our Patreon page. We're going to do some videos about this, uh, maybe do some training through it. And honestly, maybe just bring people together and let us brainstorm as a little group. So if you want to be a part of that after this conversation, this conversation excites you and you want to see how all of this affects your teaching, 
in the English world, uh, then join us on Patreon. Just like Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, Matt, Amanda, and Nana all have. They get bonus episodes, bonus videos, and so much more. And they're going to be getting all of that content this summer because we're about to jump in and do that. But what am I talking about? I'm talking about chat GPT, but really we're talking about technology in this episode. We're going to kind of veer into chat GPT um, as we go forth. But all that and more on this episode, ladies and gentlemen. All righty. Miss O. Choa. We've narrated the story of you bringing one of the first people, of you being one of the first people who had Mac computers in your classroom. But for maybe some people who haven't heard those episodes or heard that episode where we talked about it, maybe some new people to the podcast. What was that like? You were at the the cutting edge of school at one point. Yeah, it it was fun, to be honest. And it was exciting. And it was something that we had never seen before, except for through videos on, you know, but, but really, truly, I mean, like the other day, I was visiting my son and we were sitting there and they had uh, the old Star Wars on, you know, the original. And it almost looks hokey because but but it was really at that time was cutting edge. You know what I'm saying? But now it just because we have all of the CGI and everything else, it's like it looks like a, you know, amateur. But yet it was really it was really cutting the edge of technology at the time and special effects, et cetera. So, so we hadn't seen anything like that, you know, personally, the personal computer. So when I started teaching, we didn't have personal computers. I mean, I literally had a chalkboard and I had an Elmo and I had a ditto machine, which we talked before about that. And, and we had a Scantron. Those were, and my technology media course was how to transfer a magazine picture onto a transparency that's what my media course in college was all about and how to make a good transparency so that kids can see it as a good learning tool. Literally, that is what we learned and how to use a ditto machine. We didn't even have Xerox machines. So when we first got Xerox machines, we were not allowed to touch them. I was Xerox illiterate for a long time because they wouldn't even allow us to touch it. I got in trouble one time because I snuck in there. And the principal caught me and says, uh, Ms. Ochoa, what exactly are you doing? And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> I saw this image Making of you like copy. just putting your hands <laughs> on was, it. Like, yeah. So anyway, she's like, we don't do that. That's why our machine doesn't break. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. I mean, don't. So, so, so for us to have computers in the classroom, that was, that was a huge, huge deal. Of course, we still Nobody trusted it. So everybody still kept their hand grade books and, you know, the, we still hand did everything. But um, but what I did was I, at that time I was teaching geography and I was teaching English. And so uh, I had the great fortune uh, to actually go to uh, National Geographic uh, I was one of five teachers in Texas that was selected to get to go. And I learned um, there. And of course, one of the focuses was technology and how it's going to impact geography and how it's going to impact the world. And so um, that allowed me to be even on the cutting edge, if you will, because I brought back all of these um, uh, art view things where we can actually create maps. So I had my students creating map layers, just like your Google Maps looks today. But we didn't have all that. So we had GPS and just, a, you know, just to even get your hands on it was a big deal. And then we actually took students to, we have several old cemeteries in the area. And so we actually mapped out and did the layers of the cemeteries over time, what it looked like. And so the kids had to map that all out. And we did it on the computer, <clears throat> which is the the type of technology that the cities had in order to map out the uh, pipes and all of that. So we were doing, I was really doing cutting edge stuff at the time. We were mapping out um, 
And, and this stuff is nothing. I mean, it's like Star Wars is today. Like what I'm telling everybody we did, it's like, yeah, that's nothing. Well, when it's first coming out, it's a big deal. And we were actually doing the programming. And so I was teaching kids how to program and and all kinds of stuff uh, on this. Of course, I ran into a lot of complications at, at that time. And then the district decided that they needed specialist to come in and help the teachers deal with technology. And so the first specialist that came in for me, uh, we did travel brochures. You know, that's not really that big a deal, but we were actually taking pictures and putting them in places. We actually uh, did HyperCard. Uh, HyperCard is the old version of um, PowerPoint or Google Slides today, where you actually had to build each card and you had to do all the links to it. And so you, it wasn't a button and you, you actually created the buttons. You had to code all of that. So I, that, that was my training for that. So yeah. Uh, and then in our district, I was the first teacher in our district to actually have laptops in a ge geographic classroom because of my National Geographic stuff. I had to present to the school board and all kinds of stuff. So they chose me to uh, go to the new school and and actually have the first set of laptops in a classroom. And nothing like sitting there and you're teaching and a kid starts to play uh, 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 Lake Titty Cocker right in the middle of your observation. It was a great <laughs> moment. <laughs> And they're like, oh, this is dead. We can't have technology in the classroom. See, nothing's, nothing's changed. <laughs> nothing's changed. Well, and that that's the interesting piece. And I know we, we've hit on this before, but mm -hmm. it's we're, the reason why I think this is a timely revisit of this is because, I mean, to this day, people rail against cell phones in the classroom. And I know why mm -hmm. people don't want them in there. They're distracting. There's no way a teacher can be more interesting than whatever's happening on someone's phone. But that's not really, I, I think that's putting it in the wrong dynamic, right? It's not, you have to be more interesting. It's that you need to use the thing that's interesting to support what you're doing. Um, and I, I, I just, I, I have a hard time thinking of, technology as the boogeyman when it it gives us access to more things than ever right kids are i think one of the reasons why kids but also adults are so disconnected from education because education feels outdated compared to what you can get on the internet yeah you can i yeah. mean you can turn on any documentary ever made on a streaming service they're everywhere you can watch documentaries on youtube um you can you can take free like i can sit in free academic classes of universities that they've posted on the internet um you can do any, you have access to any number of information now the hard part which we always talk about is just because you have access doesn't mean it's correct, right? And that's the challenge of teaching kids how to think and how to critically analyze information, where it comes from, what sources are good, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's it's just hard for me to demonize something that is clearly a great thing for humanity. I mean, in all honesty. Um, but at the same time, I, I understand the plight, right? It's It's hard to give a lesson on, you know, like, um, uh, grammatical rules when there, there's something more interesting happening on a kid's social media access. Um, but I, you know, I think that this, it's the, I think the, the good outweighs the bad in most cases, but I feel like we're on this, this edge right now to where, and I, this is why I kind of wanted to give your background on stuff is because, you were teaching at a time when access to search engines was really becoming ubiquitous, right? It was, mm -hmm. it was really starting to take over. Do you, in my head, like, I feel like I've heard people talk about how in that time people were like, I guess, railing about, um, like, Oh no, like people aren't going to, they're not going to need to remember anything anymore. It's going to make us dumber or whatever. Like the, that Google was, um, was going to take over that piece and we were all going to be worse off for it. Like, was that like a legit fear or is that, is that a weird like retro look at that time? 
No, I mean, I think it was a legit fear, but let me, let me go back. You mentioned cell phones in the classroom. <laughs> I, I, a memory popped up and it was my first phone in the classroom. Mm. And it was one of my high school kids decided to be cool. And he brought his dad's bag phone, the first portable phone that you hook around your arm. And it had this big, huge bag that went with it that it fit into. So you carried this big, huge phone. Are you familiar with those? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he pulls out of his backpack, this big, huge bag phone and makes a call in the middle of my classroom. So that was my first phone in the classroom, my first phone disruption. We didn't even have phones in the classroom when he did that. So it was kind of funny. It wasn't funny at the time. Sure. I mean, I had to get on to him. But uh, but no, I, you know, the way I handled cell phones when they first came out and everybody started having them uh, is I just took, I told the kids, I said, get your phones out because instead of having them sneak them, I just let them, I get them out put them on the edge of your desk and turn them upside down, you know, with the face down. And I said, when we need to use them, we'll use them. And uh, I gave them permission to use them to do different things. So at first I really wasn't afraid of, I've never really been too afraid of technology. I think what has happened is my, you know, you're talking about the fear and everything. I don't know if my situation is, not fear, but it was frustration because you finally learned something new and then they changed it. So you already mentioned that in school, we're already a little bit behind the world anyway. Right. And then we turn around and we learn something. And so you learn it, what, during summertime, right? That's when mm -hmm. you do your, a lot of your PD, you're getting ready for the next year. You're all excited and you learn it. So they would teach you real quick and then they'd put you out there and then you didn't have enough computers to make it happen or you didn't have the right kind of computer or they didn't give you the right technology at the time or get this, they're ready to move. What technology changes every six months or in probably faster now. And so now, oh, sorry, we need an update. So they take, so you take your kids in because we're going to do this wonderful uh, audio visual documentary for history or for English or whatever. And so they're going to do this presentation. It's a new technology. It's probably like movie, you know, like, um, what is it? Uh, iMac, you know, iMovie is what it's called now, but you know, some, something in that light. And then without telling you, you go into your lab, you got it all set up like two days before, you know, the week before, and then you go in and they've changed everything up. And now you can't get to anything that you were getting to. And you're like, and the kids are like, well, I thought we were going to do this. I'm like, yeah, it, it worked last week. Now it's not working anymore. Or they're right in the middle of something. So, and then it quits working or they've changed it all out. Or it's because we had to take everybody to a lab. We didn't have, we didn't really have, my, my computers in the classroom, my laptops didn't last very long because uh, for me, because I'm, they wanted to spread the wealth and let other teachers do it. So we only had one set. So now next year, that teacher gets to do it. So Got to be fair. So then now I go the next year and I don't have any of that, that technology. So I have to schedule labs and do all that. Well, if, you know, if they don't have the same vision I do, and my problem has been my vision's a little bit more advanced, I think, than everybody, or more complicated than everybody else. So I used to see what it could do. Now, somewhere along the way, what's happened to me is all this technology somehow passed me up. Does that make sense? Because of all these frustrations. Yeah. So then they, we get new people and all of this, we get new, new computers. So I got the first iMac, right? Or might might not have been an iMac back then, but you know, sure. I had the first the, the one. Macintosh. So the Macintosh. <laughs> the Macintosh, exactly. And it's not the square. We moved from the square, right? The little square thing, and then we moved to the next one. And I jumped in. Was the first one trained. All of that. I get my first Macintosh, and then what did they do? They change it to Dell because now we get Mac went out of business. Not completely, but they you know, got out. Yeah, and so the schools went to PCs. Well, guess who still had her Mac because, well, you already took your training, your training time is not going to come around for whatever. So I'm sitting there with the oldest computers while everybody else is using the PC. So I think part of the problem with teachers, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, 
But what happens is you jump in, but you don't get treated. In other words, you get passed up because, well, you got the first round, but now we're updated. It's like I, I called in, you know, we had the, the mini iPads, right? I call in. I like, I need an update. They're like, oh, well, I'm going to come and get it. We don't have those anymore. We don't support that anymore. It's like, but I, 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 there's this thing that I wanted to do on it. I just need an update. And they're like, well, uh, that that update's not on that mini pad. You have to do a new one and we're not buying those anymore. So you've got all these ideas, but you can't use them because, well, we don't support that anymore. You know, and I don't know. I just think to me, and and now, okay, so so you get that situation, right? And you're like frustrated. You get behind, not because you don't, it's not because you want to be behind. It's it's the system. And then what happens is you're always behind because there's always somebody doing the next new thing and you got to wait your turn. But then what happens? You become afraid of it because you don't know what to do. So part of my problem uh, especially when I got back into the classroom was everybody thought I knew how to do everything. I didn't, but nobody would tell me how to do it because, oh yeah, you know how to do that. So there's a lot of stuff I couldn't do and I didn't have time to learn it. So then you become afraid of it because you're afraid you're going to mess something up. Uh, I don't know. That may be what has happened to people, but to me, that's the problem with the schools being on a different paradigm than the rest of the world. Well, you got me on my soapbox. No, you're good. I, uh, so what's interesting about that, Miss Ochoa, mm -hmm. is I think you're 100% right. Schools have been, have struggled to keep up for a variety of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. But this is why I'm excited about the new era because I think a lot of that's been hardware, right? We buy, like, I remember, mm -hmm. so when I showed up in my first year of teaching, um, my partner, she had a set of iPads that the principal bought her specifically because of a grant. Yeah. Um, I did not have iPads in my classroom. So she ran a lot of her stuff digitally, right? She did. She would. All the kids had their own little iPads. They did their work through there. It was almost like a paperless classroom. It was kind of cool. Um, I didn't have that. So I did everything on paper. And then we had like I realized I went to the library and I saw like all these like old tablets, Right. They were just like wedged in the back. And I was like, what are these? They're like some type of like not even like a I think they were Windows tablets, actually, like some type of old. They were already outdated by the time like I showed up. Right. But I was like, OK, is anyone using these? Like, no. So I took them home. I realized I need to update them. So I literally like I took them home. Um, I went through all of them. I, I had like my biggest class was like 32. So I had to have 32 of them. I set up all this stuff and then I tried to get the kids logged in. It was a hot mess because it was some of them were updated. Some of them weren't. Some of them were not connected to the network. Some of them wouldn't connect to the network because of updates and all this other stuff. And they weren't supported by the district anymore. So I was like, mm -hmm. so I had all these little tablets that I really couldn't do anything with. Um, and so that's a hardware issue. We buy Chromebooks and the like our, my district right now, we're about to move all the kids to laptops because the Chromebooks are more of a hassle than what they're worth. Um, and now there's some advantages to the laptops, but it's expensive. It's expensive to buy bulk computers for thousands and thousands of kids in a district. Exactly. And yeah. So the old solution was a computer room, right? COVID accelerated one to one. In a mm -hmm. lot of places. And so now that's a thing because we're never going back from that, um, especially because that's the answer to cell phones. Right. If you if you <clears throat> you can you can deny cell phone use if you give them their own technology, because a lot of the, the arguments were, well, I don't I can't do your digital lesson because I don't have my own device. And so, well, it's like, oh, we'll provide you a device. Right. So that's like a that's a part of why people like it, because it gives them mm -hmm. a reason to put the cell phone away. Now, the interesting thing is, in my opinion, based on what I've seen with these, the rising of AI, such as ChatGPT, and there's a bunch, there's other ones, ChatGPT is the only one that I've been playing with, is we're about to have unlimited access to programs and AI, so to speak, that is, you don't need complex devices. So for, I'll give you an example.
We're about to enter a new age of writing, Ochoa. And this is why I want us to really go yeah. through this because I just showed it for So for people, some background information, um, before we jumped onto the show today, I was showing Ochoa just some stuff that ChatGPT can do. And I had it write a lesson. I had it write a podcast blurb. I had to do all this other stuff. Which is way better than any of mine. So sorry. <laughs> You'll, you know, I'm not using ChatGPT. Just read the blurbs. <laughs> well, so here's the thing, right? It uh, is the big fear right now, right? Is obvious. Oh, well, if kids can do this, right? They're not writing their own stuff anymore because this stuff isn't copywritten. Anyone can use it. It isn't there. We don't have laws that dictate whether you can use AI or not. Now, this stuff used to exist or it still does, but there used to be like randomized generators for like people who like in the business world, people who like write a bunch of blog posts would do a lot of these random generators. Anyone that's run a podcast knows this. We get it on our site. You don't see it because you don't do the, the website stuff, but like we get like spam comments that are clearly written by like these bots, right? And the bots are dumb. Right. Like you can tell, like it's not written by a person. The problem is that AI is getting better and this stuff is really good. Um, but there's no rules around it. So one of my friends, I'll give you an example. They write fiction. He plugged in, a story generally kind of wrote down the characters and whatnot, put it into chat GPT and the chat GPT wrote the dialogue and added like movements between the characters. So it was just the dialogue that he put in there and it was like, Oh, he said, as he walked through the hallway, like it added all of that stuff in there. And so now oh. you're going into this realm of, okay. So the initial reaction is fear, right? Okay. So where's originality, but that's, that's, mm -hmm. I think that's the, that's the gut reaction. That's the wrong gut reaction. So in my district, naturally, ChatGPT is banned, right? Everyone's freaking out. Teachers are going, oh, my God, nothing's going to be original anymore. But imagine this. And this is what I want to play with in other episodes as we as we jump through this is imagine coming up with you, you write your essay, okay? Or write, you write your outline of an essay. You plug it into ChatGPT. It spits out a better essay. <laughs> it takes your outline <laughs> and writes something for you. Okay, interesting. Now, if you just take that and paste it, that's an interesting problem for schools, and I think that's a that's an interesting conversation. But if you take your ideas and paste it in there, have it spit something out, and then you analyze it in order to form your own beliefs. So let me, let me give a, a more clear example. My principal talks about how she used uh, some AI in order to summarize stuff. So rather than it's like she read the thesis of something, but she needed kind of like a summary. And so she used AI to do that. Or if she needed to be able to like write something, but she, but she wanted to generate a summary of what she wrote, but it's like, you know, it's 5,000 pages and you're like, Oh my God. You plug in a couple things, it'll generate a summary for you, and then you can tweak it and add it, right? You do it for an email. If you're brain dead, you need to send an email. It's like, okay, I need to say this, this, and this. Plug it in there. It shoots out an email, right? We did it with the blog post. We were like, okay, this, these pieces need to be in there. You plug it in there. Doesn't mean you use it all, but this is the new age of writing. We are about to enter a phase where we are now collaborating with AI, it's already happening, first of all. It's just not happening on a mass scale. It'll be as common as you're talking when you're talking with a friend and you're like, who did that? Who was that actor? And you 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 pick up your phone and you Google it, right? It's going mm -hmm. to be that ubiquitous to where we go, okay, I need to write this. Boom, I plug it in. Now, how do I spice this up? And I think that's interesting for our business, Ochoa, because our business is what? Our business is authentic writing, authentic creation. Mm-hmm. Does AI take away authenticity? Gut reaction. It seems like it. Which is interesting, right? Because I feel that way, but I feel like that's a wrong belief. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you could take it and, and rewrite it. I think, though, I think it makes a good argument for in the classroom while we still need a craft and a draft book, to be honest. Right. Because I know... And I learned this years ago that if the students are writing in my room and they're writing in their notebooks, right, and I'm conferencing with them and I see what they're writing, okay, and then let's say they do a, a G, was it chat, 
GT. I forgot what it was called. Chat GPT. GPT. I knew I forgot a letter. So anyway, chat GPT. Let's say they send something like that in. Well, you know, immediately that's not theirs, but you can see part of their idea in there because you've actually conferenced with that student, et cetera. So I think it would be interesting to take, have them write so that they can, they can have the critical writing aspect of it so they can learn to actually write. Because I think that's important because what you don't want is you don't want to be able to do what you're talking about critically analyze think and know and revise you you still have to be able to you in order to be able to do that right you really have to hone your own skills too so here's my thinking so you have them write in your classroom in their in their notebooks okay their drafts all right let them G, chat gpt it and then let them look at what chat gp did in relation to what they did and now they can revise and edit leave out leave in did it take take them it did the ai take them in the direction they wanted to go or did it change that direction and which direction is better and then let them you know add to it take away from it or just have that as an analytic tool and then they have to finish it out on their own. So here was, I like that idea, right? And this is what I'm saying. I'm saying we're entering into an age mm -hmm. where we are going to have to think, but regardless, people are going to have to think about this, right? Whether you, you're happy about it or not, we're going that way. You saw it. It's you happening. saw it with your own eyes how great it well, is. Well, I'll tell you what, if I'd have seen that the way you showed it to me, I'd have used <laughs> it all last year. Exactly. <laughs> I did. So I'm planning 100% I'm planning one. We're going to talk about with our craft and draft community. We already said that. it's going to be right. a, a Patreon thing. We have some future stuff. I wanted to kind of have like a, a before conversation like we're having now, but, uh, I, I want to do it with our community, but I also, I'm going to do it with my teachers, right? And I'm advocating for my district. I'm telling them, I'm like, unblock this for admin. Like, I understand blocking it for kids. I, I don't think you should. Um, maybe block it until we understand how to use it the way we want to, right? Until, right, right. until there's some more safeguards, because there is some issues, right? There's, uh, like there's, there's security and safety issues. So like mm -hmm. there's people with any technology, people use it for nefarious reasons, right? There's a lot of stuff that's come out of the stuff that's racist, you know, all of that stuff. So you have to figure out, cause there's no filters on it. You can't, there's no like educational version of Chad GPT. You know what I mean? So yeah. <clears throat> that's an issue for schools. And I get that piece. Okay. But for admin and for teachers, I think there's a lot uh, to be gained here. That's really interesting. And kids are already using it, right? This is why schools are so fearful of it. Like when I'm, uh, I work with a teacher, you know, she was like, well, you know, they're, they're doing a training on it, but she was like, okay, they shouldn't be doing this for literary analysis essays. I'm like, okay, that's fair. But what if you use it as a brainstorming tool? And I got this idea from Dave Burgess, my publisher, published, you know, teach like a pirate, all that stuff. I was, I went to dinner with him recently and he was talking about how what they do is often they'll they'll have a bunch of ideas. They'll throw it into chat GPT. It spits out a bunch of stuff. And then they kind of use that as a brainstorming tool. So instead of stand sitting there for an hour, just going, okay, well, we could do this. We could do this. We could do this. They type it in. They and type they work it in. off that list. Yes. And so it's a, it's like an instant brainstorming tool. So this gives me an idea. Can we do something live on the air? I don't know why I say live because it's recorded, but can we do something together while we're recording? So sure. Let me share. I mean, we, we let me answer the door last week. I know. That's, that's kind of where we're at, honestly. Um, so let me, I'm going to share my screen. Let me go to chat GPT. Do you see it? Are you with me? Yes. Okay. So let's say often, Ochoa, me and you sit here and we go, what do we do with our lives? What are we going to talk about today? <laughs> right. So yeah. what if we did this topics around literacy instruction? OK. OK. All right. So let's see what it spits out for us. We're doing this live. It's thinking. It's thinking. Here are some topics related to literacy instruction, phonics, comprehension, vocabulary, fluency. <laughs> 
It's already way past me. I was reading and now I'm lost. Balanced Balance literacy. literacy, literacy assessment, differentiated instruction, reading interventions, technology. technology. <laughs> hey, I'm feeling pretty good that we've hit a lot of these. Culturally responsive literacy instruction, uh-huh. writing instruction, literacy across the curriculum, family and community involvement, teacher professional development. We've hit most of these. Right. But this is, yeah. so imagine if we were sitting there and we needed ideas for something right you can see how yeah we've already done some of this it doesn't it doesn't reinvent the wheel right but a lot of this is spot on but what it did is it did something in five seconds that could take us 15 minutes well yeah so now but now let's say literacy assessment right methods so what it has there it has formal assessment running records reading logs so now what we could do is take okay so how are we going to do running records let's because this is something that i know elementary teachers have to do and when they're doing guided reading they have to do these running records and reading logs so how do you keep up with that in the classroom because those are they get a little bit intensive how's that so you're typing it in yeah so i said guide on how to do running records in the classroom all right let's see what it does just out of curiosity select a text prepare the recording sheet Introduce the text. So this is how to do a running record. How to do it. Okay. Conduct the running record. Calculate accuracy. So it tells you how to do it. Track progress. And then we could refine this because you were talking about how to track it. So we could refine that. Yeah. But this, so imagine you're sitting there, right? And Mm -hmm. you've, you and I have done this a hundred times, right? You're sitting with someone, you're explaining an idea around literacy that has a lot of background and you're like, oh my, or someone emails you, right? (laughs) And you're like, I don't know. Like there's all this stuff that goes down. Yeah. So let me type this in, right? Okay. So. Oh, here, let me, I, I de-shared my screen. Let me go back. So the one thing that I've, I've gotten questions about a lot, right, is we'll get a question about uh, writing workshop, right? So how okay. to run a writing workshop in, let's say, eighth grade, right? Let's be specific. So I don't okay. run a writing workshop in eighth grade. So. Good. No, it's already started. Yeah. Okay, establish a workshop structure, mm-hmm. set clear goals, generate writing topics and ideas, <laughs> model the writing process, provide <laughs> writing time, individual and peer conferences, mini lessons, <laughs> share and celebrate. I am. Isn't it amazing? Right on. It's amazing. Hey, I feel good because I'm almost as good as chat GPT. Reflect and assess. Right. But this is so this is the point we do. That's pretty awesome. So here's the thing. You might not want all of this. You might not say all of this in a response to somebody who asked you a specific question. Right. Right. You might want to change it. You might want to add your own twist because I because you and I have both altered workshop to fit kind of what we talked about on craft and draft. We've we've developed our own stuff. But 75 percent of that is what you could send somebody in hell mm-hmm. but it's also something like like we're getting to the point to where people they don't need to ask this they could go to this but then the question is this and i think this is the crux of all of this okay so that can tell you writing workshop right that just summarized yeah, like like four books in one it did and, and it was and it was that. accurate right well it's what we've taught yes and, and that so, all the stuff had the mini lesson, the structure. Right. And the mini, like it literally, everything. I just can't believe I have all that internalized. That's kind of amazing. Exactly. Well, it, what amazes me is 36 that years of work, I guess we've put in this work, but AI uh-huh. is to the point to where you can ask it and it can, it can now tell you kind of a good structure and all of this. Now here's right. the thing. The part that I'm excited about is now we focus on the human element. I think this is going to be a big part of this is like oh. my new thing I care about, like legit, because it's 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 my same argument for why I hate programs like computer programs, because I get that the computer program can assess and assign and do all these things so much faster than a teacher. Right. But it yeah. loses the human element that encourages the kid. It loses the human element of adapting the way it needs to, because even though it, uh, it ha- even has share and celebrate on there. Sorry. I was, I, was, I, was I did it really. I, I don't have, which it. is awesome. Sharon, which we, I've done, a, I've done lots of lessons on share and celebrate. But my point is, is mm-hmm. 
it, it will tell you to share and celebrate, right? So it says provide opportunities for students to share their writing with the class or in small groups. Host author chair sessions where students can read aloud their work and receive feedback and praise from their well, peers. Well, that was Rosemary Dink, by the way, in the uh-huh. third grade. She used to have the author's chair. Rosemary Dink, one of the best educators that I've ever met. Celebrate students, celebrate students' accomplishments by displaying their work in the classroom or organizing a writing showcase for parents or other students. We've literally had this you conversation. Do that. Yes. So this is, <laughs> but this is my point. So it says that, but okay, now we get to have the conversation. Oh, that's a great idea. Now, how do we do that? How do, do, how that? do we make that work? How do we take this, this idea that we, we've had, right? We, we've talked about this. Other teachers have talked about this. It's not new, but... Nope. It generated something from us in the middle of a conversation that we're having now. Now we get to go, okay, so that part's done. Now how do we elevate this? How do we do this on a huge level? And I think this is where the magic is for all of this, and this is why I don't get scared for it, is it does the, the basic stuff for you. Because we know this. Anyone that has done anyone that has read up on reading and writing workshop knows the basics of it. We know what it takes to have a good workshop. But sometimes we get lost in the weeds. We get stuck in kind of the the processes of stuff. I mean, how often have you and I have taught so many things repetitively, like right just throughout the years, you've done it. Yeah. Uh, you've you've forgotten things you've taught. And then I'll bring up something. You're like, oh, I taught that 15 years ago. Right. <laughs> and, but here's probably, the thing. Probably we, 20. We still stare at each other and go, OK, so how do you want to do this? What do we want? Well, and, we'll, and we'll sit there for 30 minutes. Right mm-hmm. now, what teachers mm-hmm. can do instead of going through that and then like crazy, right? Your PLC is at 115. You've taught two horrible classes because kids are all sugared up that day. For some reason, there was a fire drill. The last thing you want to do is plan a lesson in your PLC at 115 on a Friday. But guess what? Now you can plug this in. It spits it out. You have a rough draft and now you go, okay, so how, okay, sweet. That's awesome. Now, how do I elevate this? So it takes the, the more mundane stuff. It's like, and this is why I connected it to the revolution of Google and search engines is what that did is it took off the heavy lifting of us. We didn't have to remember every single detail. Now does remembering still help in a lot of things? Of course it does. I'm not saying don't remember stuff, but search engines took that heavy lifting off of humans so that we could move in the direction of, okay, so how do we use this information in a different way? And I think that what teachers are about to embark on is you don't need a professor to tell you what a great lesson is. Chat GPT gives you a better lesson than 70% of stuff that's spit out already. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you innovate on that? How do you take this lower level task of just structuring a lesson into something that's magical now for kids. And I think that's what inspires me and excites me. Okay. Well, I think that's exactly. Well, I guess now what you have to do is figure out how you help teachers to do this. I think that's the next thing, because that's not really an easy task. Well, it's the same to thing. Elevate. It's, well, anytime, it's, anytime you try to elevate something, it's it's a difficult task. Well, here we do this all the time, right? Uh-huh. When we're sitting there, so we, let's let's take it out of the technology realm. We stand in front of somebody. You and I have done countless workshops on helping teachers with reading and writing workshop in various degrees, right? Right. What happens? We tell people the workshop process. We tell them the structure. We tell them the times, we tell them how to get grades, we tell them you, you model, you do all of these things, we go through the whole process. But what is the missing element? The missing element is, okay, so how do I get kids engaged, right? At the Alito conference that I just did, I showed them the craft and draft process, but they still had questions like, okay, so how do I engage the kids that aren't engaged? That is the piece that ChatGPT will never be able to do. That's the, well, I wouldn't say never, but <laughs> that's the piece that... Um, that that's the that's a missing element though, but this is the missing element for for us too, is because there's a there's information, and then there is innovation on that information because someone could run writing workshop to a T exactly the way Nancy Atwell does and still have a bad writing workshop, right? And it's because it takes inspiration. It takes modeling. It takes empowerment. It takes a lot of stuff that the human piece does like I think we under and I this is why uh one of my biggest posts I ever made um that was a little bit snarky um 
to certain people as I, I took a picture of me laughing and I said, this is, <laughs> I said actual picture of me laughing at someone saying I'm going to re- be replaced by a computer program. Um, and <laughs> I, uh, I still believe that, which is, we can't, I, I don't think we can. I think that this is a tool that can do a lot of the basic heavy lifting for us. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the educator where it's like, yeah, it's like, it's the same thing as looking at a teacher and be like, yeah, your classroom's controlled and it's well-managed, but our kids learn. It's dry. It's yeah. dry. Right. It's those pieces. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is just, it's just elevating that conversation to technology now because this is so fast. I mean, we did it. You saw it right. we oh, right in front fast. of our eyes. It, it goes point by point, which is why I'm excited to do some of these, recordings that I want to do for craft and draft the Patreon people is because mm-hmm. it's such an interesting piece that I think that people are talking about this right now and you can find articles, but I think, Oh that, yeah, it's on the radio. It's on talk shows yeah. it's everywhere. But I think mm-hmm. that what you and I can start doing, not all the time, of course, but I think that we can help people navigate this for workshop because I think this is, Workshop is, is an authentic process. So now our question is, okay, so how do we use this incredible tool to make that authentic process even deeper and better? I think it's an interesting conversation that we don't have the answers to right now, but I think it's something that we can explore for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, but, but at the same time, it's funny that we're talking about this today because my mom and I, um, well, you know, I'm now doing art and all that with her. So she's got me doing her, you know, with all these retired people now. And, you know, we were doing watercolors. So I'm actually water color painting, watercolors, water paints, whatever. Anyway, the whole thing is while we were sitting there talking, we were talking about how things are changing. And she made the comment that, you know, she's out and she said technology moves so fast. I mean, pretty soon they're going to be in a complete paperless society. Maybe you got out at the right time. That was her comment to me. And I said, well, it, it, it does move fast, but really this whole last year was a paperless classroom for me, except for my craft and draft books. And the paper is important in the craft and draft books. Well, and, and go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Well, it, it, well, no, you're fine. I just had another thought with that. And that right. was because it kept my room grounded and it it kept the kids writing. And it's really through their writing and choice and all that. You know, I always go back to that. And that's where that engagement happens. Well, and here's the thing. I still go back to well, it's like episode two or three of Craft and Draft. I did in that Alito presentation again. Someone had asked, you know, do you insist on paper in the classroom. And I had someone in there say their whole class was digital. And I was like, do what you do. Like, I, I'm not offending you. Like I, 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 I'm not offending you. I'm not, I'm not taking away that. Like if you want to be all digital, it's fine. But I looked at her and I went hundred percent. I tell them to use journals and I, I still do paper because there's our brains. Cause people talk about all the time that technology is changing us. It is, but it takes longer for evolution to affect us like that, right? Our brains are not fully wired to the speed of technology. That's where I think a lot of the depression and anxiety comes from in kids um, and adults is that our brains are not wired for the constant onslaught of negativity that just happens on social media in, in a, in a 24 hour news cycle, right? We're, we, cause if you think about it, like our brains are wired to sense trouble, right? If you're in the forest, <laughs> you know, with your clan or whatever, or your, your group, your family, you need to be constantly aware of what are the problems. And so your brain, it's called the negative bias, right? Our brains mm-hmm. hold up. If you have 30 compliments and one person gives you a negative, what do you think about oh, it? It's, you think about that one thing. Yeah. It's your, but it's, we're wired that way for a reason. It's, we're meant to survive that way, but that is literally millions of years of our brains developing in a certain way. Flash forward to what that looks like today. People like technology is changing us. It is, but not really. Our brains still crave slowing down. Paper still allows us to process in a different way. Physical books still allow for deeper reading comprehension, which has proven time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. Now, are we moving that way? Sure. I think it, it would be dumb to say we're not moving that way, but is it moving as fast? I don't think so. In 2010, people were freaking about the Kindle and they said paper books are to be gone. And what did it stop at? It stopped at about 50-50, yeah. roughly. 
to where there's a lot of Kindle readers or a lot of ebook readers, but people still buy print books now as much as they used to. Absolutely not. But it still exists. Um, schools still buy print books. Um, print books are still the, the bread and butter of, of publishing. I got to tell you, I, I see my own eBooks and print sales. And even though the eBook is half the price of my print books, my print books outsell it about 10 to one. Yeah. So people like to hold a book, of course. And for a variety of reasons, like nonfiction definitely sells more in print than it does. Um, Mm -hmm. especially like something like professional development or self-help or something like that. And so I think we, we people are quick to be doomsdayers, right? It's really easy to say the world is falling, the sky is falling, everything is crumbling because of this new technology. And I, I get that and I sympathize with it, but at the end of the day, I, I pay attention to the science as much as I can. I think we're into but I, what's scary for a lot of people, AI is new, AI is different. The fact that that what we just witnessed, you know, ChatGPT doing in two seconds is it's it's freakishly human right like it, it writes so well well. <laughs> well especially when you have like movies like iRobot and things like that where yeah. you know this has been on the brains of movie makers for a long time yep um you know science fiction at its best is technology completely taking over and um you know and then we become a subspecies of of something that we've made ourselves so uh you know this idea that it can think faster adapt faster i mean it it really is got a scary element to it it really does well and that's you know for I, i i don't know i just think that's the age we're going and i think we're going to explore that but here's the thing ochoa you ready for this yep Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be a part of the future conversations we're about to have on this, I need you to go to patreon.com slash craft and draft. Go to craftsdraftworkshop.com and hit that Patreon link. Join us over there. We're going to do some live stuff. We're going to record some things. Um, I, well, I think there's probably going to be a training. I feel it building up a show. I got an idea. I got some things I want to bounce around. I want to play with okay. this idea. I think this is going to be something super fascinating, but I encourage everyone. Don't just wait for that. Um, go join chat, BT, chat, chat, GPT, uh, join some of this or play something, poke, put, put in a lesson. I had, um, I had some, like we did this for admin. I was like, come up with a, a bathroom policy for a five, a high school typed it in. Boom. This bathroom policy popped out insane. I'm telling you, go do it, have fun, but then come back to us and have a conversation. Cause we want your ideas too. We want you to help us innovate. How does writing and reading workshop affect this? How does authentic work jump into this? We're going to be doing all this on the Patreon side. It's going to be super exciting. We'll definitely post clips and everything else um, to show you what you're missing out on, but don't miss out. Join us on Patreon. You can join us at the listener, listener plus tier. There's already tons of bonus content over there that you can have access to bonus videos and so much more. Thank you for listening. Subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a review if you haven't already and come back next week for another fantastic episode and know that we are here for you. <laughs>